Spoken is a podcast about nothing. It is not for children. The hosts will contradict themselves, and they are all amateurs. If you want any sense of professionalism in your podcasting, go somewhere else. There will be swears, the hosts will make themselves look like stupid crazy people, and only about half of the jokes will be funny. You have been warned. Hello all, and welcome to Spoken. I'm your host, the Grand Author, but you can call me Jory. It's your boy, the pretentious proofreader, or just Riley. And this week, we have an episode that we've been planning for how many months now? Three or four? October. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's all my fault, guys. Not gonna lie. Well, yours and the other ones, but... Hey, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the official co-host of it. She's just the guest. I mean, that's fair. That's a fair way to look at things. So how has uh, your several months been? Pretty good. I mean, it's been since August since you last uploaded, so, you know since august it's been good mm, mm. uh it's getting cold here in yeah. the place that we are yeah the cheese mm. mm-hmm. but uh not as cold as it should be hey, oh, yeah global change time to talk about climate change and global warming for three hours i mean if you're down with that, I guess I am. I wasn't going into that expecting this, but all right. Uh, no, not right now. We could do an entire episode on that. And you know what? We probably we will. Yeah, but... I will host it if you don't. Yeah, I mean... I mean, let's just touch on this briefly. Uh, climate change is real. It is affected by human intervention. And uh, if you think that that's not the case, you are wrong. And I have evidence. And the science says you're a fucking idiot. But it's okay to be an idiot as long as you learn to not be an idiot. Mm. Mm. Speaking of which, I am an idiot. Uh, What did you do? How many creative projects am I on that you know of? That I know of? That you know of. Including our joint project, like, five. Oh, wow. I hardly talk to you about anything, huh? Okay, so, if we're counting the grand journey all together as one creative project, uh, mm-hmm. which, really, it should be counted as five, but if we're counting that as one, uh then that's one and then i also have the star keepers project i want to get onto which is two and then i also have a fantasy series that i'm working on uh in the background of all that uh, about a uh trans princess woman uh well girl that goes to the fey realm and has the powerful magic of her true name being undecided so she can face off against the queen of all dark fairies. And your next line is, oh crap, what's your name again? Mm. 
aha, I have discovered your true name, and now with your true name, I can kill you. Ah, but you see, dead names don't count. What? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's three. I was trying not to say that, but yes. (laughs) Anyways, uh, I was also working on, well, I am also working on a sci-fi project uh, called Extremis which makes four, which is about the last surviving bastion of space capitalism and how terrible it is. Uh, okay, yeah. I was going to have to call you out if you decided to keep it good. Yeah, no, obviously. Uh, obviously. Um, then there is our joint project, which makes five, obviously. Uh, then there's my joint project with Lizzie, which makes six. Then there's the music career I'm trying to make with Lizzie, Um unsuccessfully which makes seven but i still count it because i have like five six a bunch of songs that i'm writing for her to perform that uh are probably never going to see the light of day because there's so much work and they're not finished there's something to do whatever yeah i'm still working on them though then there is the uh mischievous misadventures of lady vile which is a video game series i'm working on uh that is a mm-hmm. classic rpg series uh about a self-proclaimed villainess trying to take over the world and hilariously failing her way up in every situation and saving it over and over that's two comedy RPGs that you're working on. Oh, hold on. Because uh, oh, our joint project is an RPG, and then I also am working on that RPG, and I'm working on an RPG in the style of Final Fantasy JRPGs, uh, which... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to help you with that one, because as a Final Fantasy boy, I, yeah, I know how to do Final Fantasy. Yeah, so that one is... Uh, Ugh. that's called Echoes. That makes nine. Then there is... I'm going to change the name of that. I don't like that name. It's, I mean, it's a working title. Um, yeah. Yeah. Then uh, there is the one that I'm working on that is uh, called Binaris is the working title. That's just the title of the planet, uh, which is about one of Darkwing's failed attempts to create a world of magic users to manipulate into making deals with, uh, where he just made... Uh, so, in the Grand Journey, he made element. Oh, boy. In the Grand Journey, he made the five elemental guardians. On Binaris, he made two elemental guardians and told each of them that the other was evil and trying to destroy everything and had them fight. And also, they have apprentices, and they're themed after chess pieces. And I am very clever, and it's not a Homestuck reference. What are you talking about? Anyway. The only person who understands most of what you just said is me at the moment. You need to, I will start helping you push your stuff out. That webcomic needs to get finished. Yes. Which, oh, hey, speaking of webcomics, that brings up the manga I'm making. The Zealousy Project. Uh, the horror manga I'm making, which makes 11. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then, uh, if you would let me continue, because uh, if I just open up this folder, all of that was off the cuff. I'm not even looking in my drive yet. You're going on about five minutes of that 
about you talking about your projects. Oh, I know. But hold on, because <laughs> there's also the dark, uh, the Into the Dark TV series, or not Into the Dark, the Darkest Chronicles TV series called The Darkest Legends, set after the <laughs> events of The Darkest Chronicles, which makes 12. Hello again, everyone. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Yeah. All right. So, as I was saying before I got distracted by my own incompetence and inability to stay on focus, uh, I am swamped with my own creative projects. So that's basically what I've been up to. It's 2019. We're all working on a lot of things. Too many things, to be exact. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. But anyway, um, I've been working on those just sort of on and off bouncing between them for the last four months while I've waited for you to finally be able to record again. STFU boomer. I'm not a I'm I'm barely even a millennial. I'm also Gen Z. The worst. Look, it's a shit post. Roll with it. Uh, words have meanings. Anyway. So. Uh, that is how I've been spending the last several months. And you are still in school, so, you know. Well, there's that. You know, because you know the education system is bullcrap. But also, I have been working on projects. Uh, a lot of stuff that I can't talk about because it's really early in development, including a comedy philosophy thing. But, Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, hopefully we will be able to get at least the collaboration projects done at yeah. some point ever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's I just did, sort of what creative writing on your Instagram plug plug uh, that you were considering doing streaming. Ironically, so am I. So maybe joint stream thing. Uh, maybe, or we could just plug each other. Uh, yeah. We'll. I mean, it works either way. I don't care. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Anyway, uh, I think that about wraps up the intro segment. So this ten-minute-long intro segment. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it'll get cut. It's fine. I didn't go yeah. off on a tangent. You went off on no. a tangent. Yeah. Oh man, totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But you can't- <laughs> Cut the part about you cutting it, all right? That's the deal. What well, obviously. Anyway. Segway. All right, so do you want to start or can I start? Uh, you start because this is my first time ever doing anything remotely like this. I mean, mine too. Did you not okay, listen so to you the first at least have the pilot under your belt? I have two crappy YouTube videos from when I was in middle school. Oh, my old crappy YouTube video days. I wonder if those are still up. I hope not. Oh, anyway. They very much still are, because I can still find mine. Ugh. Well, I will never tell anyone the name of that channel, and hopefully no one will ever find them again. How much uh, yaoi? No, I did a Minecraft Let's Play, but terribly. No, 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 no. That's that's a good thing. You should be proud of Minecraft Let's Plays, all right? 
It was three episodes. Each episode was five minutes long. I used Google Hangouts. This is not the point. We're getting <laughs> off topic before we've even gotten on topic. Uh, speaking of which, the point of this show, all right? Anyone I mean, yeah. no. All right. So, so to get on topic to start with, uh, this week we are going to be talking. I say week; it's been four months. We're going to be talking about villains, uh, specifically how I tend to write them, and also probably just you know, the writing process in general. It's and just... I'm going to talk about villains that I like slash don't like. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Obviously, there are lots of different kinds of villains, and the way that you can pick which one you want is just sort of figuring out which kind of niche your villain has to fill in your story. Uh, first of all, there's also a difference between an antagonist and a villain. Antagonists are any character or force that directly opposes the protagonist, the main character, but a villain specifically is evil and actually actively wants to hurt people or the society wait are we actually going over this like ninth grade eighth grade stuff what i'm providing framework i mean that's fair it's context for what i'm about to say it's context but also everyone who's listening to this podcast probably knows it i mean probably but you (sighs) You're getting us off topic again. Uh, I'm good at that. Yeah, so am I. This is why we're never going to get anything done. Um, So it's important to remember the difference between antagonists and villains uh, because villains serve a different role in a story than antagonists. Antagonists are just any opposing force as i said but as villains actively want to hurt people and do evil they are obviously very different in what they actually do to the story an antagonist may only negatively influence a few people or specifically prevent the character from completing their goal but they might still be a good person but a villain will actually have lasting effects on not just the entire story but the entire world of the story well then again the antagonist might as well you know i mean yeah but it's much more likely that a villain will that's fair just sort of because of the logistics of being a villain this is the one one time i will bring up this movie uh suicide squad Worst movie that ugh, that's just disgusting. All right, but it's not the worst movie ever. I mean, it's come not on, worst Batman movie ever, Superman. but it's still very bad. All right. Yeah, you're right. So, it, anyways, good. Margot Robbie was amazing in that movie. The actress that played Harley Quinn, she was amazing, yeah. and she's making her own uh, spinoff movies, just starring like an all-female lead. And oh, yeah, they right. look amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I that's a comic book thing. Uh, I know. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I know what Birds of Prey is. I also read comics. I mean, yeah, but I'm just not as aware of your comic reading because you never want to talk about it with me for some reason. Well, you know why. Anyway, I, I think I know why. 
Anyways, well, Harley Quinn's not even originally a comic book character, though. She was from the animated series. It's not important. Uh, as I... <laughs> Sorry, what? I probably used that word wrong. You are, uh, you are definitely using that word wrong. Except let me just you. Google it. Let me just Google it, all right? All right. Well, while you're doing that, I'll get back to my main point. Uh, there are lots of different oh, right villains. Yeah, I did use that wrong. Yeah, no duh. <laughs> Hello, it is I, resident knowing what words mean guy. You you did it wrong. I did do it wrong, but you know what? At least I did it wrong and then I corrected it. That is very important. A lot of people wouldn't do that. Congratulations, you're more mature than most Republicans. Hey, hey, hey. Some of my best friends are Republicans. <laughs> and then there's Ben Shapiro. Anyway. <laughs> so, to to get back on topic for the fifth time in two minutes, um, villains are good because... No, they're bad that's like their whole thing oh my god you've gotten me they're good narratively speaking but they're bad people yes they're good for a story because uh oftentimes villains don't even actively affect the hero in any specific well the protagonist in any specific way but they are just a general good tool to use in stories because they can show a lot of the flaws of the society that you have built for your protagonist to run around in. They can display the problems with your world. They can uh, create problems and be used as a metaphor for the real world, etc. cetera. Uh, That's what the entirety of Alternia from the Cursed webcomic is. It's just an extreme allegory of the real world. Is it? Supposed yeah. to be? Yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah. Yeah, now that you say that, I... Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, oh, and I guess that would make Doc Scratch... Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see it. Mm-hmm. Mm. The white guy manipulating all of the... Hmm. I, I mean, that's more symbolical, and I, di- I didn't even catch that, but I very much knew that Alternia was a real-world, like, extreme thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't go around literally murdering each other for sustenance for our parents that are also animals, but... Yes, but also, uh, how far are you in a pester quest? I'm like, not. You... I don't have any money. I, I, okay. I need to get a job again so that I can... Not important. Anyway, yeah, well, I'm not yeah. unemployed. You're unemployed. It's fine. Okay, um, so, we're... wait, let me, let me finish this train of thought. Uh, this one was actually... Uh, for any of you listeners of the Perfectly Generic podcast, aka the people that are mostly important in Homestuck right now, uh, they very mu- they they talked about Terezi's route, and in Terezi's route, you are under arrest for the crime of existing because you are an alien all- on Alternia. Huh. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. The way all aspects of our society are twisted to glorify violence and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, Alternia is yeah. Okay. As I was saying, uh 
that is obviously one thing you can do with your villains, and it's one of the most effective ways to use them. There are other uses, but this is the one I mainly focus on. So, for example, in Prelude to a Journey, one of the main villains, in fact, I don't know why I said one of, literally the main villain is uh, Malachi Royal. And this is where we get into spoiler territory, which I don't care about, but... Uh, if you care about spoilers for my webcomic and book and everything, um, you shouldn't listen to this podcast because also, I... I'll probably make a timestamp and I'll put it somewhere and you can just listen from there. All right, guys. Yeah, you can, you can do that. I don't really care enough to actually put that effort in. Uh, as I was saying, so Malachi Royal and, uh, to an extent, the Council of Nobles uh, in Prelude to a Journey exist to sort of highlight the problems with the capitalistic and feudalist world that has been built by Darkwing to deliberately be flawed. The whole point of the Society of Crystal in Prelude to a Journey is that it is flawed and it inevitably ends in violence and war because it was set up to do so. There aren't enough resources, well, there are enough resources to go around, but because of specific ways that their society has been structured, there aren't enough resources to satisfy the need for ever-expansive growth that the capitalist world they have constructed for themselves demands. Inevitably, there will be tension between different sectors of the society, different castes will eventually go on to have class wars because that's how the world was designed. And the easiest way to gain power in the world, uh, well, in the real world and in the world of Prelude to a Journey is by vilifying a minority and exploiting people with less power than you. So Malachi is this very obvious allegory for just, I don't want to say American politics in general, but a very specific type of political leader and figure that considers the people that work under them pawns, basically. It, he's a sociopath. He doesn't really think about the people who work for him as people. He considers them tools for him to work with and he also considers all of them expendable because he's a terrible person and he gains power by making people afraid and making people angry at groups that don't deserve it and didn't do anything wrong just like Fresca but he also serves another purpose which I love uh because he's not only a reflection and an allegory for all the problems with the society in Prelude to a Journey, he also fulfills a role I like to call villains as a mirror. I say I like to call it, I stole it from Overly Sarcastic Productions. Well, didn't steal, but well, point is... Use that term, all right? I, I already was writing him like this before I saw OSP's video, but... Wait, which video are we talking about? Uh, the I... one where they talk about antagonists. Okay. The, uh, uh, wait, which one specifically was it? 
Um, it was one of the trope talks. We're not yeah, so trope. different, you and I. That's the one. Okay. Because it was specifically about villains who reflect problems in the heroes that they are opposing. Mm -hmm. So specifically, uh, the main character of Prelude to a Journey, Bethiel, is the younger brother, half-brother, of Malachi. And he is an exiled, presumed dead prince, but he has renounced his royalty, and instead he is raising a revolutionary army to take down the monarchy and supplant it with a democracy or socialistic meritocracy. Eh, he's not really sure on the details. The point it's is... The point is he knows the society they're currently in is broken, and so he's raising an army to at least change things. Because if you're living in a world that is already broken, I mean, the only thing you can really do is change and hope for the better. Or, you know, just build guillotines. Guillotines. Wait, ah. I read that in my brain before saying it out loud. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. Oh, I swear. You. Ah, what? Now I don't get to rub it in your face that you pronounced the thing wrong. Dang it. <laughs> well, okay. One thing, though, before you continue. I actually did... Uh, I, as a Star Wars aficionado, official resident Star Wars oh, aficionado... No, here we go. Oh. Look, I, this one's going to be brief. I was reading the Book of Sith, and this is actually... Uh, the whole system provided by Malachi does kind of tie back to a quote uh, in it, and uh, it's in regards to the system that the Sith uh, species had put in place on their homeworld, and essentially it was a monarchy with hope of taking over the monarchy, and I just really like this quote by Mace Windu. This system is only attractive for the kings. Those beneath them waste their gifts as slaves or pursue the narrow-minded goal of becoming kings themselves. Creativity and industriousness blossom under an open and free system such as the Galactic Republic, and these qualities inevitably triumph over the mon monomania of a dictator. That's... There's no way that that's not anti-capitalist propaganda. Oh, yeah. I mean... The Jedi are probably some of the most anti-capitalist things, like, in fiction. Which is why I don't really like you uh, uh, antagonizing the Jedi Order all the time when we do Star Wars-related stuff, because... I yeah, mean, no, they make mistakes. They are corrupt as an organization. I'm not saying they're completely, like, the worst, but... As an organization, they were... The Catholic Church and the Jedi Order and every other religious institution is an institution of power just like any other, and all institutions of power are subject to the same corruptions and problems that government organizations are. I mean, okay. no... But to be fair, all of the corruption in the Jedi Order was the fault of the Galactic Senate. I don't know enough about Star Wars to rebuke that. But... Look, it was a lot of Palpatine meddling. Mm. Mm. I don't know enough about Star Wars to dispute that, but I feel like you're wrong. Anyway, I... what? But there was also, okay, 
Have you ever played Knights of the Old Republic? The old one, not the MMO, the original Bioware RPG that was sold in 2003. I started Coder and then it became, because I'm really bad at video games, it became very hard for me to get past the home world. Oh yeah, Terrace is the worst. It's, oh my god, there's one NPC you have to talk to in like the middle of, sorry, this is going to be a tangent now. There's one NPC you have to talk to to start the actual game basically where like in order to get out of the upper level of the one city on the one world you have at the beginning of the game you have to talk to a very specific npc to start the quest and the only way you can know that you have to talk to her to continue the main quest is by talking to her nowhere no one on the entire freaking first world lets you know that she's the person you're looking for because you need to get a sith armor in order to bypass a guard so that you can move on to the next part of the game and it doesn't tell you it tells you that but it also tells you to go to the cantina because oh there might be a sith there except that she's not wearing her sith armor and there's no visual indication that she's a sith and it's terrible actually what i found to be the worst part of that game and what got had me stuck for the entire time Swoop was bike. the segment where you were supposed to steal the swoop bike parts yep. back because yep. that dungeon is so broken. Yes. Uh, yes. Listen, I love Knights of the Old Republic as like a piece of writing. I hate the actual gameplay <laughs> a lot. But I like the writing. The characters are written really well and I like the main plot because one of the like Okay, you know the big twist, right? Yes, Revan. Yeah, that whole spiel. Yeah, you're playing as Revan. Um, mm-hmm. There's like a whole thing where several characters make a big deal out of the fact that like erasing people's minds and playing with memories and things is all like Sith stuff. This is all stuff that the dark side of the Force tampers in. No decent Jedi, whatever. The Grand Master of the Jedi Order. Yeah, like it's so good because it's it's clearly saying like actually the jedi order are partly to blame for the fact that the sith are rising again and like they couldn't stop the sith armies because revan and malik it's a whole it's a whole thing it would take me several hours to explain but the point is, or you could just like find a YouTube video on it. There's a lot of really good videos discussing the philosophies of Kodor. Oh yes, like, I could just, I could just pause this podcast we're making and play a YouTube video in the middle of it. No, but like you could just, I'm just giving this uh, advice to the audience. Just find a vid- YouTube video on it. There's so many good ones on Kodor. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic is really good. Just don't play it. Oh my god, it's garbage. But it's so good, but it's terrible. Good lore, some good gameplay segments, and good story, but also, like, the gameplay segments that aren't good are absolute garbage. Did you ever get to the the point where you have to actually race the swoop bike? No, I did not. Like I said, I got stuck at the heist of the swoop bike parts. Mm. Mm. They tried to do a racing minigame in an RPG. Oh, oh boy. The engine was not built to handle it. It sucks. Anyway. Well, that's why I stopped playing Coder and I started playing the Mass Effect series. 
worse. And then I worse, got to Andromeda. Worse, 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 my... worse, worse. Yeah. Yeah. Can we just like stop having EA buy out these really good corporations that are making good games? Bioware was never actually that good. They were fine. They made Baldur's Gate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You got me there. Anyway, we have to get back on topic. Oh my God. Uh, Oops. That was way too long of a diversion. Uh, That was like 10 minutes. Anyway. This is what happens when Star Wars gets brought up. Yes, which is why it's banned forever. We're never allowed to talk about it again. No. Bullcrap. Yeah. No, I'm going to bring it up. Anyway. I liked the lightsaber building segment in that game. Anyway, so you, uh, what was I even saying? Villains, villains as reflections, because we were talking yes. about OSP. Anyway, yes. so the villain can highlight the problems with the main character. Uh, Malachi is the older half-brother of Bethiel, and he serves throughout the he does not realize how similar they are but throughout the course of the webcomic uh Bethiel is constantly plagued by knowing how similar the two of them are because they're both master strategists that is their main thing they are very good they're very charismatic people they're good at getting people to do what needs to be done in order for goals to be accomplished they're good at convincing people of what like needs to happen they're both very good leaders in different ways malachi is a good leader through manipulation lies and a lot of just outright threatening and coercion whereas bethiel is a good leader in that he's able to make people understand what they actually want none of the people that join him in his quest for revolution join because he asked them to they join because they wanted to revolt all along but they weren't allowing themselves to even think of the possibility all bathiel really does to convince them to start actually revolting against the government is saying hey this is possible we all know it is and this is also the right thing and we all know it is so we should do it and that's enough that's Really, all it takes to start a revolution when the state of the world was as bad as it was at the beginning of the comic. Yeah, I mean, just saying, oh, hey, guys, this is pretty bad, and here's why. That's pretty much just reason to build guillotines right there. I almost did it again. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Bezos makes more in a day than I probably will in an entire lifetime. Time to get the guillotines. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Capitalism, bad, and we all just need to make a pure democracy socialism. Okay, pure democracy has... It, mostly. It, mm. Pure democracy becomes a problem where the majority, which, i.e. white people, then have the power to... Yeah, alright, I can see whole, the point mm, there. You're on the right track. Do more research. Yeah, no, because I didn't really even... I could have come to that conclusion had I pondered on the idea of a pure democracy more. The instant you said uh, marginalized, I was like, oh, oh no. Yeah, that's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. There's a reason ancient Greece, with its pure democracy, fell pretty quickly after they started. Anyway, um, we can talk about that a different time. Uh, The main point is 
Bethiel knows how similar he and Malachi are, and he knows that Malachi is a reflection of what he could have been. Uh, their father, Gabriel the Good, the king, the good old royal dude, uh, was kind of a terrible father, uh, absent, neglectful, slightly emotionally manipulative and abusive towards Malachi by accident, etc. And there, uh, crap, what was I saying? Right, so, uh, but he knows this. He knows this about himself and about Malachi. He knows how similar they are and that he would have, he very well could have fallen into the same position that Malachi is in. And he very well could have done some of the same things that Malachi did if he hadn't have had the friends that he did and if he hadn't have fallen into just having the good luck of not being a sociopath. Uh, And there's also a very big point about like, they are very similar, but Malachi has chosen his path and is actively being a monster. Yeah. But I mean, to be fair, like, uh, this is going to sound very uh, defensive of the villain, which I'm not trying to do. I'm just trying to spoil for the reason that Malachi becomes the villain. Uh, A neglectful father isn't always a good thing now, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no. Mm. Malachi is a tragic figure up to a point. He certainly was put in a bad situation. He was raised to think only of power and to be groomed to be the perfect prince in every way. And it really... Then the capitalists got a hold of him. Yeah, I mean, it really was (laughs) to an extent out of his control. But then he was put in control. He gained power and he made himself... He could have chosen at several points throughout the story to give up his power, to give up his position, to start a new life somewhere else where he could be happy being anything except the king. And he chose to continue to be the king. And he chose Mm -hmm. to continue to seek pointless power over other people simply because he wanted to. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the reason in the end he is ultimately different from Bethiel. Bethiel doesn't want to be a leader. Bethiel doesn't want the throne. He doesn't want to be leading an army. He doesn't want any of what is really happening to him. He just wants a nice, quiet life. But he also feels responsible to stop his brother, not necessarily because they are brothers, but just because no one else will. And so he has to. Mm Mm-hmm. Because anarchy, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know where I was going with that sentence. Yeah, no, that's nothing. Yeah, that was literally nothing. I mean, that was literally the real nothing. reason is because everyone else is a coward baby person that doesn't want to raise an army against the kingdom for fear of, you know, being yelled at. And he's just not a coward. Like, that's yeah. his thing. Let's be entirely fair, though. The I think the worst point in uh, Malachi's journey is when he 
kills the capitalists. Oh, yes. And he blames the capitalists for capitalism happening. And then he's like, anyway, (laughs) we're going to continue exactly as it was, but it's definitely better now. This was not a lateral move. To give another example, quick, uh, of villains in my stories, uh, there is Optical, which is the main villain. Well, seven villains, technically. Uh, They're an organization, so they're kind of one villain altogether. uh, Of the Darkest Chronicles, the book series. Uh, And, gonna be honest, their main thing is I literally was looking at conspiracy theories about the Illuminati and these shadow organizations that run the world. And I thought, man, what if those were real and also vampires? And also literally the Illuminati, but they were sorcerers at one point and then they got rid of the magic on accident. Yeah, we're going to take control of all the world's magic. Oops. Wait, there's none left. Crap. This was an unforeseen aspect of my plan. This did not work out well. Oh no, we've been cursed. Anyway. See, this is why vampires are always worst boy. Because they're always looking for more power. How dare you say this this about my boy Dracula. Look, man, I'm also dissing Dio here. You know how hard it is for me to diss Lord Dio? I mean, Dio's an asshole, though. All Dracula wanted was to sit at home in his castle and be pegged by his beautiful doctor wife and raise their beautiful little son vampire. Alucard is weird. That's not even remotely what happened in Bram Stoker, but okay. Okay. Mm. I'm talking about Castlevania because Netflix Castlevania is very good. But as long as we're on it, have you actually read Bram Stoker's Castle or Bram Stoker's Castlevania? No. Have you read read the original Dracula book? Uh, OSP. That's the extent of my original knowledge of my knowledge on the original Dracula story. Okay, I like OSP very much, and I am very you know, I value their opinions because they are like well-researched and also just fun and funny people. Um, mm-hmm. They have a small problem uh, glossing over bits of queer history. Okay. Not, not much, barely ever, but every now and then. I mean, they did pretty go, they did go pretty ham when they were talking about Achilles Yes, but that's because all of Greek history is so gay that the only way not to talk about how gay ancient Greece is is not to talk about ancient Greece. It was so gay all the time. Also furry. There were so many stories about animals and fucking people. In ancient Greece and ancient Rome before uh, Christianity became a thing. Anyways, before that, it was more gay to not be gay than to be gay. I mean, yeah, there literally wasn't a word for guy that was bisexual because that is the default state of ancient <laughs> Greek. Like, if you do not, if you least one guy, you're pretty gay, bro. Mm. Anyway, uh, uh, 
as I was saying, Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, is written by a prominently gay, well, not prominently, an extremely closeted gay man. Bram Stoker was, it's complicated. There's a lot of complicated Victorian England stuff because, yeah, I mean, strikes again. it was kind of illegal to be gay in Victorian England and Bram Stroker and a lot of... Are, are, did you literally say kind of illegal? Wait, wait, wait. Did you just well, say kind of illegal? Well, it wasn't exactly... It's complicated. The laws are not as cut and dry as that, and it's... Okay. Okay, that's fair. But, like, even if it was legal, the culture oh, yeah. surrounding it even was if you also wouldn't get like viewer. publicly stoned so, to death or burned at the stake for being a heathen, like you would be ostracized forever from society. It was yeah. So yeah. a lot of authors at the time, we know from their letters and from their works and various things, they were closeted queer people because. Shakespeare closeted? Um, or am I just an idiot? There's, I thought I heard uh, there's he was speculation. Closeted. We technically don't know either way, mm-hmm. but like he was he was hella gay. Anyway, um <laughs> Yeah, just read Romeo and Juliet. That's someone's straight fan fiction of what they think yeah. straight Romeo Also read are. Hamlet, like <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, as I was saying. Yeah. So the original Dracula was about like the villainization of queer people. It was. It's complicated. Anyway. Uh, I didn't actually know that. Yeah. I mean, this is all literary theory. Hmm. None of what I'm saying is like he, Bram Stoker yeah. didn't like say what. Is it Stroker or Stoker? I feel like it's Stoker. I've been, I've been eh. Stroker. It's Stroker. Okay. It's I was Stroker. saying it right. Good. Um he obviously didn't like say this because closet. He didn't go out on Twitter like Andrew Hussey say did and say June Egbert Real or Dracula yeah, June Egbert but like, Real. We know from letters he wrote to colleagues and from letters that his colleagues wrote about him like it's complicated and i am not an expert on the subject and listeners if there are any listeners you should you know find out for yourselves and do your own research because i did not do mine thoroughly yeah and i just i this is the first time i've ever even had these thoughts so Welcome to the world like, of the, the Welcome Star to the Wars world of Pride right Month, here, baby right? gay. Time to talk time to talk about She-Ra and and Steven Universe. Look, She-Ra's oh, yeah. She-Ra's hella good. Steven and, Universe hella trash. Steven Universe tried. It's bad. But it tried very hard. But it's bad. Okay, but then but then change your mind happened and I don't even think they were trying uh, at that point. Mm. I don't have much to say about Steven Universe other than she tried to woobify the space Nazis. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Steven Universe will go mind. down in history as um the show that Cartoon Network let have a gay wedding and it did nothing else good. Yeah. Are you talking Cartoon no, Network show. did nothing else good? Because like Craig of the Creek and oh, okay. other like they're trying. Not much. Are still, you know, like the early 2000s, late 90s. I mean, Cartoon Network cartoons. is still a corporation. Obviously, they're not they're trying. They're not trying Dexter's that hard. Lab slaps. But, oh, Dexter's. The, the first couple seasons of Dexter's Labs slaps. Um, when did we get to this? What uh, was the conversation? I was talking about Optical, and then I talked about how they were illuminati vampires and you talked about dracula uh yeah. as i was saying we can have a detailed conversation about queer history and i'm using the word queer you can fucking fight me on that it's it's not a slur i hate the people that do that uh anyway didn't it like used to be a yes and no I mean, gay and lesbian used to be slurs that That's you weren't fair. supposed to say. Like, That's fair. It's, there's a lot of history behind all of it. And if you don't know the history, shut shut your mouth. Because it's very important. And I don't know the, the history. I'm just going off of what I know. So I'm asking you. Pride Month began as a riot for queer rights. That and I did started. Know. And they it was started at Stone. Yeah. What? They threw like stones at cops and other people. That was fun. I wish we could go back to those. Specifically, specifically, very important. It was started by a black trans woman. Very important to note. Everyone always likes to forget that part. Pride, Pride Month, and the entire modern queer rights movement was started by a black trans woman in New York. Oh, I thought it was Chicago. It was New York. York. It was also the Stonewall Inn bar because at the time, uh, because it's a lot of complicated. We can do a whole thing about queer history at some point, and we probably will because I love to talk about it because it is all very important and you should know more about it. Okay, that's fair. But also, if you do an episode on queer history, I want to do an, an episode about mob movies. Specifically the Irishman, because that was huh, so you good. you think the Irishman was good. Okay. Uh, hey! What did you... What's that supposed Uncanny to be? Valley face. Okay, fair, but also, like, outside of the CG, That's the story fair. was still yeah, really good, okay. alright? Okay, fine. Anyway, let's get back to Illuminati vampires. Uh, they're evil. They're the villain. Yep. Uh, they are supposed to be an allegory for both, like, actual real-world organizations that, like the Koch brothers and Jeff Bezos and et cetera, et cetera, that have worked so hard to, you know, well, not just capitalist, but, like, control the world and media to such an extent that it's hard to uh, even organize yeah. against them. Because they're everything. They're everywhere. 
how do you not buy from Amazon yeah. when Jeff Bezos owns like half of the marketplace on the internet? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, oh my God, we're not—we haven't even gotten to the, my Metal Gear Solid rants, and I'm already having thoughts about Senator Armstrong. Okay, we can get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, okay. as I was saying. Uh, so optical mm-hmm. is based on the real society like organizations that are working so hard to keep themselves in power manipulating the media from the shadows and you know i mean jeff bezos owns how many news organizations the washington post the Twitter. i actually didn't know he owned any oh yeah, yeah he runs the washington post and um i can probably google a list in like five seconds oh google google also is an evil corporation and we can get into that too but really quick oh yeah are we going to talk about mark zuckerberg being an actual lizard uh, person uh, like i don't mm. care if it's not true he's still very much okay owns a lot <sighs> one of these yes people, all right but don't say lizard person because that's tied to a whole anti-semitism thing yeah, not direct. Oh, it is not directly, but it's also. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Eh. Now that I think about it, God dang it! Stop bringing these things to my direction, into my not direction, in my observation, because that was just a good shit post for me, and then you ruined it. I think. Sorry, about it for a second, but I'm also not sense. sorry. Uh, also, goblins. The whole idea of fantasy goblins as big-nosed, green-skinned, gold-loving idiots. Yes. No! We need Mm. to stop with this. Alright, people. Uh, How about this? No more anti-Semitism. Just anti-religion. I'm okay with anti-religion. But you can't just discriminate against certain religious groups. All right. Okay, that's, here that's is a thing. list of companies Jeff Bezos owns. Uh, Amazon, Whole Foods, Zappos, Twitch, Kiva Systems, Souk, Quidzy, Elemental Tech. And a, wow, this is a lot of... Hmm. Yes. He owns Twitch? He owns Twitch. Workaday, Alexa, obviously... thought that was just an amazon product uh hold on i'm trying to find specifically the news organizations but the washington post to start with obviously and that's the one that i know that everyone knows of yeah and there's a ton of other ones uh and there's a few other billionaires in america that own most of the news organizations because it's a very because it's a very profitable business that's fun what I will say, yeah, also what's ex- also extremely profitable that no one likes to talk about, uh, pharmacies uh, are everywhere in news, at, news ads, meaning, yeah, if there's a pharmacy company, it probably pretty much lo- owns what? any mm. news station. Yeah. 
they don't directly own it. But uh, so far well, kind of. Like, it's actually illegal in every country except America to advertise pharmaceutical products, and that's a whole thing we can get into. What you should in oh American God, capitalism, capitalism definitely. Uh, do some more research on that on your own. Uh, the point is, optical okay, is will. based on the idea of all of that, but also like the weird fantasy elements of the legends of the Illuminati, which I don't want to gloss over. Also, like most there's a secret organization that's that rules the world and control and controls the banks. Stop that's also an anti-Semitism thing. Sorry, right, most of the most of the bad things oh. are anti-Semitism. And yeah, look, as long as we ain't talking about the sky in that upstairs. Sorry, the what? Sky in that updates? Do you not know what those are? Frantic typing. It's not a homestuck. It's not a Homestuck 2 thing. It happened on January 1st of this year. Hussey released some documents with some extremely interesting lore behind them. You could just, like, find one of the Google Docs about it, but it was taken down less than a day after launch because of what? how anti-Semitic it accidentally was. Yeah. And then How Andrew did I had a whole miss this while I don't go on it. Twitter? So did V. Huh. It's not just Twitter. It was everywhere. I must have had my head under a rock. I thought you were aware. That makes sense, though, because every time I ask you what your opinions on the Skynet updates yeah, are, I, you mm. never respond. Yeah, because I didn't know that was a thing. I thought it was like, well, I knew it was like a Homestuck yeah. update thing that I hadn't seen, but I didn't know what specifically it was. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, oh, so yeah, it was bad. I am going to make like a big point about the fact that Prism or Optical in my story is not like it's based on the idea of the Illuminati, but it's not based on the actual anti-Semitic worldview that the Jewish people secretly control all the world's banks and international banking is always a bad thing. It's not that. It's actually like they're all Anglo-Saxon European magical people that are trying to take over the world. It's, an, it's actually colonialism. Yeah. Because colonialism is like the actual version of the thing that anti-Semites <laughs> think. Is the villain. I mean, yeah. It is in the real world and the fictional world. Colonization is the true villain. Yeah, so Optical is based on colonizers and colonialism. And the main moral at the end of the books, spoilers, obviously, is like 
the main motive of colonizers and the people in power in general is to get the people who aren't in power, who are actually trying to fix things, to fight amongst themselves so that they can, I mean, just keep doing what they're doing and make more money. And the only way to stop them is for everyone in the entire world to collectively agree that they're a bad thing and decide to stop them. Voting, basically. Yeah. Voting, but this time everyone does it. Sorry, at America. I mean, yeah. Except, of course, you know, in the world of fantasy, in The Darkest Chronicles, uh, voting, in this case, happens by sending your life energy and magic power towards a central hero figure. Uh, Sort of like like Goku and the spirit bomb thing. It's very anime. Yeah. You're trashy anime person. I mean, yeah, uh, that's that's what I am. Look, as an anime boy, uh, yeah, I can agree. But also, wait, let me just get one second. I'm going to divert this because we're talking about anime and a thought just popped into my head. Oh, no. The toxic masculinity surrounding the anime community is actually garbage. And we oh, need to stop yes, 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 absolutely. Like, I have a classmate that literally quoted Cell from the Abridged series the other day and took it seriously. Oh, no. It was the quote about oh, pacifisms no. being pacifists being co- cowards that pat themselves on the back. Uh, yeah. That's the worst. Yeah, I know. I hate it. He's a villain. He's supposed to be wrong. That's the point. Yeah. This is why I have to end my book series with a disclaimer about the fact that in the fantasy world, it's easy to beat up one group of people or even a single person that embodies all of the problematic ideals. But in the real world, it's not one person. It's not even a list of people. It is the system and the societal implications of the actions that they have taken that are the villain in the real world we can't all just vote to kill jeff bezos and suddenly the world is fixed like yes he deserves to have his wealth redistributed because like he doesn't no one needs that much money literally no point you you cannot get a billion dollars in an ethical way but like that won't fix everything, obviously. The problem is that the system itself is broken and needs to be fixed, and the specific ways to fix it are... Guillotines. I did it right this time. I said it right. Okay, no. The specific ways to fix it are complicated and difficult and messy, and we might make mistakes along the way. But the only way to move forward is to be willing to make those mistakes and, you know, try to improve society somewhat instead of just sitting back and letting the people at the top stay on top just because they've always been there. Oh, hey, it's the entire point of Senator Armstrong for Metal Gear Rising. And now it is your Metal Gear diversion time. All right, that's good. Because that's actually a really good transition. 
All right. So I don't know exactly where to start with this. It's almost like I said, it's time for your section because that was a good transition. That's very fair. All right, let's just talk about Senator Armstrong for a bit. Everyone agrees he's a good villain, but also a lot of people think that he was right, which kind of. Counterpoint. He was. Fuck is that? All right. That's what I was actually about to explain. Uh, United States politician who was after the fall of the secret society in the Metal Gear universe, the politics actually became something with impact which it hadn't been for i don't even remember when the patriots started like the 70s in the united states so anyways cut ahead after the event sorry of Metal Gear Solid uh, 4. sorry the evil organization is called the patriots yes i love this this is good yeah, yeah i know it's actually, you really need to play and or, and or watch Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid is the best just political statement of all time, and nobody talks about it like that. I feel like Hideo Kojima is secretly, or, well, not secretly, but is, like, very openly a cool dude. Oh, yeah, no. We all love him, all right? Hideo Kojima is my boy and everyone else's boy. Have you seen Death Stranding? I've, I actually rented it from the library. It's a good story from what I've heard, but the gameplay is lackluster, which is why I'm going to play it on the movie mode that he made for it. Oh, that's... We should also, at some point, talk about accessibility features and video games because there's this really toxic yeah. culture in the video game market that, like accessibility features like easy modes or cinematic modes or colorblind modes are like inherently a bad thing to put in a video game which is just a shitty attitude yeah anyway back to metal let people play their games anyways so after the patriots fell the united states government began to actually become a thing but the problem is the patriots after every single one of them died, there was an AI created just to, like, do whatever the uh, first members wanted were thinking at the time of death. Much I'm sure that didn't go terribly. Oh, it went absolutely horribly. Literally, the entire planet was based, or the entire planet's economy was based around war. I mean, people, so what? Yeah. AI though the AI okay so what happened was that was a joke the, about the fact that the economy is based around war in the real world I'm okay, yes. yeah that's fair but to be fair though well I'm not even going to try to dispute that because I just realized I would have been wrong if I tried to dispute that alright that's neat anyway, almost like I know what the fuck I'm talking about sometimes you do All right. that's fair I definitely don't all the time. Anyway, back to Metal Gear. All right. So then there's this guy, Senator Armstrong. He was a figurehead, but now that the Patriots is gone, he is in a situation of political power, right? And his entire thing is that he wants to use the uh, war economy to build up, uh, to build up patriotism in the United States. 
but that's also wrong because that's just what he tells you at the beginning of the boss fight. What's actually going on is he's trying to use the old ways to reboot everything and then uh, reset, essentially just reset the economy so that war doesn't really have to be a thing anymore. And he does this by through these really convoluted schemes by starting a, a war with, I think it was Pakistan, but also he his goal was to, through this war, uh, find a way for the United States to stop starting wars for no reason. And then he would be able, from there, to reset the economy through this really convoluted system that I don't even understand. But the entire problem with that was... Uh, he accidentally created a sense of a lot of nationalism within the United States, which is a bad thing. So Senator Armstrong was right, but also he was wrong because he was counterproductive to his own goals. So his intention was good, but because he was trying to end war by starting war, I mean, he was doomed to fail from the beginning. Yes. It's and ne- then that's where and then that's where the game ends with Raiden trying to end war by using war. And it's really I really want to see where the story goes. But Metal Gear Rising 2 is probably not going to happen. Well, oops. Yeah. Because the, the entire story pretty much ends on a cliffhanger of, wait, how is Raiden going to fix this? <sighs> then isn't, they fired Kojima. I hate Konami. Isn't Raiden the joke character that everyone gets? Uh, Until he becomes a cyborg, I guess? Okay, so the thing about Raiden is Metal Gear Solid 2 first introduced nobody liked him in metal gear solid 3 they well, made a character because, extremely because he's just like walking around naked isn't he like that yeah segment. but that's also mostly a part of the patriot ai okay yeah but like he walks around naked but it's also to like screw with his head that's the diegetic reason but like also they made a video game where you play as a guy running around naked, they could have just had a cutscene where, like, he was humiliated. Like, they chose to put that in the game. Yeah. Kojima's also really immature. As cool as he is politically, he's really immature. Well, okay. That that brings up a whole... There's a reason that Quiet's design looks like that. And to those of you at home knowing that know what I'm talking about, congrats on you. And also, get the XOF uniform. It's so I, much better. I know what you're talking about, and I don't even play the games. That's yeah. How, that's how thorough that discourse is. Uh, yeah. But that brings up, there's, okay, so there's two, like, main methods of narrative critique of that sort of thing. Uh, Watsonian and Doyleist, and that whole conversation uh, deserves its own episode, so we'll get back to that. Yeah. So maybe next. I actually, I really want to talk about that. We'll do that next week or whenever the next episode is. I'm gonna write a script around that. Hopefully next week, I will fight you to get it done next week. But I know that I might lose that fight. Yeah, we'll find out. 
with in it depends. Yeah. All right. So after Senator Armstrong was the next villain that was introduced in the series, and I am going to go on a rant about this because I generally like this character, was Skullface. And to all you people that think that Skullface's plan makes no sense... You're right. Except you're wrong, all right? (laughs) All right? No, because... Everyone thinks that Skullface's plan makes no sense, but let's l- but look at it through the lens of anti-capitalism, and it actually makes too much sense. All right, the villain in this story, he this wants to make the currency system giant anime max. All right, he also wants to make he wants uh, to base the currency off the Metal Gears. Yes, the giant war weapons. Yes, he also wants to base the way that people communicate with each other off the Metal Gears. It's a very convoluted plan, but... This is my cell phone. It has enough military technology to level a small nation. Wait, what? This is my cell phone. It has enough military technology to level a small nation. Well, not exactly. The thing about Skullface is that he has a pretty tragic backstory... He was taken, he was from some small country, but, god dang it, your joke is actually really funny. Uh, Ring, ring. Hello, is this my mother? Oh no, I hit the wrong speed dial button. I've leveled Syria. Oops. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, anyway. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. No, that's completely fine. So, anyways. His entire thing is that he was taken away from his country and his people at birth, and he was he was forced to new learn new languages until he forgot his original one. So his worldview is just that we should have a global means of communication, and I want to make it this giant anime mech that I had this crippled scientist make for me. Okay, I like the goal, but why? But, well, but that's why, the thing. Why the giant anime mech? <laughs> yeah, but anyways. Uh, sorry, what was that last bit? It kind of got... What? Can you repeat what you just said? Yeah, so... Uh, what did you get? Um, not much. Uh, basically, after I said why giant anime mech, you started going all roboty. Could you just repeat everything after that? Okay. Sorry, my dad's texting me a whole bunch. Give me a second. All right. So he wants to use giant I think every- anime mechs to communicate, but. He also wants to make it locked. He wants to make the form of communication locked behind the capitalist paywall. Okay, real quick. I think your notifications are interrupting the recording, so maybe next time turn off your notifications or at least silence them for the duration. Of the... I did okay, silence so... them. I don't. I did silence okay. them. I don't. Ugh. So, sorry. Just to confirm... His plan is to base the world's economy around the internet 
except the internet is made of giant anime mech robots? Yes, essentially. Okay. And do you say this makes sense? Somehow? Okay, it's more his motivations that make sense, alright? Yes, but I feel like there was a better way to do this. Uh, yeah, there was, but also Kojima's the most off-the-wall creator in gaming. It, fair. I, yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. Kojima, the most off-the-wall creator in video games, if not just, like, in writing. Sorry, Jory, I mean, that's you fair. cannot replace this man. I mean, that's that's fair. Anyway. But, well, anyways, what? In my defense, uh, the video game I'm making, the JRPG one, uh, stars a bunch of characters that don't exist, that were written out of history and uh, are currently trying to repair time itself by, uh, it turns out, fixing the events that created them. Cool. You're still not as, oh crap, I need to retcon this, as there was a global organization, and then that got killed off, and then that became a countrywide organization, but then it expanded back to a global uh, organization. That's pretty much what the Patriots were. They were the philosophers during World War II. Those guys all died off. Then after uh, the Snake Eater mission in 1960-whatever, the Patriots became a thing. Okay. I understood most of that. Yeah. Anyway. In regards to Metal Gear, you will only really be able to understand most of that. No, that's fair. I mean, I only understand most of my own story, and I fucking wrote it. Do you have any other points to make about Metal Gear and its villains, or...? Wait, hold on. There? Yes. Okay, I lost you for a second. Oh. All right. That's fine. Anyways, uh, can you say what you said for my last thing? Uh, do you have any other points to make about Metal Gear Solid villain or just Metal Gear villains, or... Uh, Can we move on to something else? No, I don't think so. I think we're good. All right. Uh, I don't have much else to say about villains, except uh, I really briefly want to touch on the darkest one, which is just... Okay. So, uh, at the end of the first book of the Darkest Chronicles, there is an event called the Battle of Bleak City, which... To simplify massively, uh, alternate universe Las Vegas. No, to Wait. simplify the Battle of Bleak City massively. Uh, so 
the Blades of Bleak City, which is Darkus, the main character, and uh, his three brothers and Belial. Uh, Belial is there, but he's not part of the Blades anymore. It's complicated. They are trapped because they fell into a trap set by Digidark. Uh, they are trapped at the Drex Developments factory way on the outskirts of town, like several miles away, while Digidark is attempting to make his way with a robot army towards a giant satellite dish in the center of town that just so happens to be on top of the school building that uh, Darkus goes to in his day life. Except it doesn't just so happen to be. It's because Digidark has been running Drex developments for a while, having kidnapped Drex, uh, Damien Drex, and Drex developments owns the school. It's a whole thing. Uh, the point is, he has to get to this giant satellite dish in the middle of town, and so uh, the Blades of Bleak City are trying to stop him, and what they come up with is they use spatial warping magic, which is dangerous and banned magic from Crystal that Belial knows, and he uses it to teleport them, basically, by manipulating the fabric of reality, into the center of Bleak City so that they can try to stop Digidark. And uh, that causes a lot of stuff to happen, but at the end of the fight with Digidark's robot army, uh, there is a moment where Devin, as Darkus, uh, manages to throw the robotic husk that Digidark was using as a body far enough into the air. Oh, because Digidark was using an unstable form of power that detonates when it becomes unstable uh, and reaches a critical point. Much like nuclear power, but magic. Uh, anyway, Digidark loses control of it and decides to let the Blades of Bleak City destroy his robotic body because he's already uploading himself to the internet anyway so that they can save yeah, uh, yes, ultra. Uh, so that they can save the city. Uh, Darkus launches the power core into the sky farther and farther up using his gravity powers. But in the process, he is beginning to lose consciousness because he's going so far into space. Well, upper atmosphere where the air is thin. And there is a moment uh, where he lets go of the power core and by extension digidark uh a moment before it explodes and luckily he has a healing factor or else he would not have a face anymore uh but in an alternate timeline he doesn't let go at that pivotal moment instead he presses forward and instead of losing consciousness he attacks with his sword. And instead of uploading himself to the internet, Digidark finds himself possessing Devon. And the thing about the most powerful entity uh, related to dark magic, combining with the most powerful magical sorcerer ever to exist, 
in the history of time is it doesn't end well. Especially when neither of them was very stable mentally to begin with. And long story short, uh, Darkus accidentally combines his gravity powers with the Dark One's power to absorb magic and absorbs all of the magic and, by extension, all of the souls of everyone on Earth, including his brothers, and accidentally kills everyone. Whose fault is this? Is this Devin's or is this Digital? Um, fate. Shit. Oh, God, that horrible show? I dropped my phone. Uh, no, me. Actually, canonically. The granddaughter. Please, at least I have the... At least I have the decency to make mine a joke. Listen, I made the name when I was, like, 15. It's not... Anyway... I made the name when I was 16. It's not that hard to make a funny, non-pretentious Your name. Your name literally has the word pretentious in it. Okay, yes, but that's also a part of the joke. Anyway. It subverts the expectations set by the royal wordsmith and the grand author by literally calling them the person You're out. right, but fuck you. Um, anyways... Uh, yeah, so it's actually canon that the darkest one exists because I said so in universe. Neat. Wonder if I could use that in the multiverse. Maybe. Probably uh, not. Anyway, the point is by combining the most powerful dark entity with the most powerful magic user in all of time, and then having him consume all of the magic of the entire human race in an instant the darkest one becomes the most powerful villain to ever exist and it's extremely important uh because later on in the books in fact in book three i believe is where it is planned uh the darkest one gets in contact with oh no it's book four it's book four the Darkest One reaches through the alternate realities and gets in contact with Darkest Prime, the one that the books follow, uh, tricks him into joining him in the Darkest Timeline, which it's, it's called that because I'm a good writer. Haha, it's the timeline where everyone's mm-hmm. dead. Good it's, it's the timeline where everyone's dead and the villain is the Darkest One. It's the Darkest Timeline. I'm so Ooh. Yeah, you're so good. Yeah, I've been doing air quotes this entire time for mm. those of you at home. Anyway, uh, tricks him, makes him join him in the darkest timeline, and then basically runs down the situation, which is he can't actually do anything to the prime timeline because he's not real in it, quote unquote. Uh, in other words, He's not the prime version of Darkus. He's an offshoot and uh, rather like he's a close one, though. 
the whole point of that segment is to show Darkus how close he is to absolute villainy. And the line really just is how much he relies on his brothers and his team. And if he didn't have them, it's entirely possible that he would just decide to murder everyone because he's deep down a pretty vengeful, vengeful person and his brothers keep him in line. And also... John Wick, but it's the entirety of humanity. Uh, But also, they have a long conversation about, well, after Prime Darkus is done running away and screaming, they have a long conversation about, uh, like, figuring out what the actual priorities should be. And, like, you can save the world or you can change it for the better. And, like, all of this stuff that helps Prime Darkus realize that Digidark isn't so bad and actually isn't the villain. Because that... No, Oh, my You're the God. worst. Uh, anyway, yeah. I just like talking about it because it's... It's a really self-indulgent but fun little thing I did. I don't know. Look, anything you write is going to be I, self-indulgent. Anything anyone writes is going to be self-indulgent. Fiction is inherently a self-indulgent process. It's you. The only reason you write is because you love the way you write and think so much that you think other people will like it. It's inherently a self-indulgent yeah. process. I am not ashamed of the fact that I'm a self-indulgent person. No one should be ashamed of the fact that they're a writer. Just write. I'm writing my own crappy short story. I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to finish transcribing it over by Google Docs, but it's done? Kind of. Y'all could be expecting that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the point of the podcast. Like, we're idiots, but, I mean, writing is something anyone can do, and it's something that anyone should do. It's a way to affect the world and try to inspire positive change. And or for you JoJo fans out there, it's a way to affect Zawaru, uh, though. And I mean, even if you're not very good at it, it's just important to get your opinion out in the world and become a part of art history and, you know, make a mark. Even if you're a total piece of shit, like Ben Shapiro. Show that you exist, yeah, even if you're a total piece of shit like Ben Shapiro and you write a book called The Right Side of History about the alt-right, I mean, it's still important to literary history that we have that because now we know what Ben Shapiro was thinking yeah. and how wrong it was. And we also now know exactly um, what level of idiocy it takes exactly. to be a member of the alt-right. <laughs> We'll use your idiocy to study, everyone, just like you'll all use my idiocy to study, but at least I correct my yeah. non-podcast. Anyway, I think it's about time for the outro. We've been talking for, like, an hour. Oh, it's, I think it's been, like, an Probably. hour Probably. now. Anyway. You're gonna have a lot of cutting down to do with all the technical difficulties yeah. in this episode. Anyway. Uh, so, where can people find you and your stuff? Uh, 
right now I have nothing, but soon-ish, as I alluded to just like a couple of minutes ago, I'm going to maybe be having a short story hosted on your website, networkingentertainment.com. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and if you're a fanatic fan, you can DM me at RewindGamer8803. Oh, yeah, we have, a, we have an official Discord yeah, have, that you can join. We do have an official Discord, but y'all can just go ham. With the link to the Discord is on the website, which, again, is networkingentertainment.com. Just networking the word N-E-T-W-O. Okay. Oh, and just to stroke my ego a little bit, actually, I'm the one that came up with the idea for the Discord. Uh, that yeah, was I was going to do a forum, all. but then I realized I don't know how to do that. And I would need to, like, actually hire someone to make one. And I, I don't have that much money. So a Discord is just easier yeah. for now. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also am on YouTube. I'm I don't have anything on YouTube, but I'm planning to start a gaming channel and a streaming thing on Twitch that I'll post the streams on YouTube. And yeah, it's going to be called Grit. Actually, don't do gaming stuff on YouTube anymore. You hear about what's going on? Yeah, I, told you about I know what's going the purge. It's... Dude. $40,000 for any game uh, video you want to monetize. I don't want to monetize it, though. It's just a thing I'm doing for fun. Oh, okay. Well, that's... Well, no, because that's the problem, though. You just have to market as kids and no one can find it. I don't... It... it... YouTube's dead okay. in a couple of well, months, everyone. Welcome to the new... Even though I hate our dead. corporate overlord Bezos, I will be on Twitch at Grand Sucks at Streaming, or... I actually... It might just be the grand authority, the grandest authority, but I'll probably like name the stream or the channel Grand Sex at Streaming. I'll figure that out. I'll tell you by next week, whenever the next episode is. Uh, and I will probably be streaming with you, depending on what Probably game Shadow of the Colossus and stuff. Oh, heck yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be like a moderator. I'd be down with being a moderator okay. on that. Uh, I also have a Tumblr at the Grand Author and Twitter, though I don't use it ever. You can also follow me on Instagram, also the Grand Author. All one word there. It's hyphenated on Tumblr. Don't get fooled. That does remind me. You can find me on Twitter at a person. Uh, I have the Rohan Kashibe picture. I don't remember my exact like all the numbers to follow a you've person. Gotta, you've got to take a less. You have to get a more recognizable Twitter handle if you're going to be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Just look for Rohan. For Kishibe, now, guys. you've really got to change that. Anyway. Wow. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, Twitch, anything else. The website, again, where you can read Prelude to a Journey, the first almost 100 pages, I think, which, holy shit. No, you're like, I think you said net 80. I said almost 100. 
Okay, but look, that's 15 is almost. You're just Fuck you. below that. Anyway, uh, there's also a little bit of bonus content on there. Not much, but I plan to do more. And it's where I have posted a lot of my artwork for a portfolio. And uh, Lizzie's stuff is on there. She was in the last episode. She's also on that. There is a song that I wrote that she sang. She did the uh, notes, too. I just did the lyrics. I just write lyrics. Uh and, of course, the Proofreader's short story is going to be on there soon. Uh, a couple of my short stories are on there, and one or two of Lizzie's. There's a lot of stuff on the website. You should check it out. Yeah, and uh, if you're any of uh, my idiot friends that I got to uh, listen to this, which I may or may not be boosting your numbers, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, hi. Also, you're all idiots. Not not the listeners, just my friends, all right? You you listeners on your own volition are cool. All right. I have to make that uh, clear. And please email me at networkentertainmenttga at gmail.com. Email me at, email me at deadpoolboss2121 at gmail.com because I made that Gmail when I was in sixth grade. And you I can just make a new one for the it. podcast. Anyway... If you email me, I will read your, you can have your replies or answers or questions read on air. And I will, you know, say your name on a podcast. Isn't that interesting? Oh my gosh. It's almost like that one time that Taco said Brisket did nothing wrong. Well, they had to pay to do that. You get that on this free. But like. Yeah, free. The next episode will probably be a Homestuck episode because I was going to do the Watsonian versus Doyleist. Well, actually, we can do that about Homestuck. Ooh, and various other things. We could. That's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for us. Uh, We're supposed to have a pre-prepared joke or something, which I'm reading off of the script, but. I literally just wrote, yeah. have a pre-prepared joke to react to. So, oops. <laughs> I'm a disaster. <laughs> yeah. All uh, right. See you next uh, week. Later,